This is Geek Gab with your hosts, John, Brian, and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back, Geek Gab, for Saturday, June 24th, 2017, coming at you live from the secret base, hidden deep, deep, deep in the earth to protect ourselves from the vile antics of those who would stop this show from going out to you, our millions of screaming fans. By the way, we have an announcement to make, but rather than me making the announcement, actually we have two announcements to make, but rather than me making the announcements, I'm going to let the uh, proper co-hosts uh, make their separate uh, make his separate announcements. But before that, John, how was your week? Good week, guys. I didn't get as much gaming in as I'd like, but uh, dog park, nerdy stuff. I actually went to a, a game night last night and played. This is a terrible game, Cards Against Humanity. Yes. Are you familiar with Cards Against Humanity? Yes. I I'm vaguely familiar with it. I'm familiar with the concept of it. I've never played it, so I haven't read a bunch of the cards. Have you ever played Apples to Apples? Yes, once. Okay, so it's an association game like Apples to Apples, only with naughty adult words. Yes. So, it's okay. That's about the sum of my week. I can't wait to hear what Brian has to say. It, Brian has at least two big things to say, so... I wait with bated breath. Well, I don't want your lips turning blue over there, so I'll go ahead and get started. So, two announcements. First is show-related for my uh, Geek Gab Guide and on the books. Um, I'm in negotiations with Science Fiction Grandmaster and the reigning... Dragon of Science Fiction, John C. Wright, to appear on, on the books this coming week. And he said he'd be delighted to do it. Um, he's going to come on and talk about his new book, City of Corpses, and probably many, many other things. We're just trying to nail down a time, but I will keep everyone posted. I'm excited. That's, that is actually really exciting. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you guys are tripping all over yourselves, dude. To praise my my scheduling decisions. So and you already told us this before the show. So we get all the actual, you know, live, unscripted, unrehearsed excitement out before the show. See, that was your fault. That that's why I don't send out the uh, the invitations until right before we go live, so you can do this stuff on the air and get raw, unfiltered results. You know, when you hit us with it the second time, it isn't either shocking or surprising because we heard it like five minutes ago. So no, you guys are fine. <laughs> I think the reaction was great. <laughs> well, plus, I mean, we've spoken with him a few times on the show already, so... Well, I've had thing. him on three times. Yeah, no, we, can't, we can't get this guy on enough, actually. <laughs> uh, I, one day, I'm going to get an email from Daddy Warpig. Yeah, sorry, John, but we, we were going with a different John for the show. <laughs> What's your other announcement, Brian? Well, okay, you want a new one? So it appears that there has been a secret U.S. base on Mars for 17 years, and the Marine who is secretly tasked with uh, guarding the American citizens there from alien invasion has just come up with this story in the U.K. mirror. 
See? See, I didn't tell you guys that before the show, and you're still speechless. Uh, my mind is blown. It? <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's in a tabloid, so take it for what it's worth. And the other other announcement. Oh, the other other announcement is I'm finishing up post-production on my new standalone novella, The Hymn of the Pearl, and I'm going to try my hardest to get that out by the end of this month. All right, so... That's, what, that's the one that you previewed on your blog, right? It is. What's the title of it? The Hymn of the Pearl. Okay. Uh, so look for The Hymn of the Pearl sometime before the end of the month, which doesn't give you much time. That gives you like a week, doesn't it? Uh, it does, but all it needs is formatting. Okay. So uh, we will, of course, announce that uh, it's been released next week's show. <laughs> Well, and speaking of previews, I have one more announcement to go with that, which is, uh, you know, what would a new release be without an enticement to buy the product? So, uh, if you folks out there, when you get your copy of The Hymn of the Pearl, you will also get a preview for my upcoming book with Castelia House. All right. Um, well, let me tell you how my week went. Uh, I had to drive down for an appointment, and when I got back in the vehicle to go back home, it would not start. And so I went next door because it was lunchtime. I went to Taco Bell. I sat in. I had some Taco Bell lunch. I went back to the vehicle, and it would not start. And I found out that the person who could come and pick me up and take me home wouldn't be able to be there for two and a half hours or so. And so I thought, well, what the heck am I going to do at a Taco Bell for almost three hours? And then I realized, wait, I am but a block away from the Dollar Theater. And I can go to the Dollar Theater and see any one of the no doubt amazing second run movies that I, as of yet, have not seen. And so I said, well, I might as well go see a movie. That's great. That's, that's exciting to me. Let's see what's, what's playing. I have Alien Covenant playing. I've already seen that, and it doesn't start for another six hours anyway. Uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I'm, I'm not really that excited. Uh, King Arthur Legend of the Sword. I've already seen that. We talked about it on the show. The Fate of the Furious. Well, I've already seen that. You, you can sense a theme here. That all the so shows I actually would want to see are either starting very, very late or I have already seen them. And I was going down to the point where I was debating between Smurfs, The Lost Village, or The Boss Baby, neither of which started on time. And finally, down near the bottom, right above the Lego Batman movie, which I see already, and Kong Skull Island, which I saw and talked about on the show, was the Emma Watson Beauty and the Beast, which was starting in about 15 minutes and would get out shortly before I was going to be picked up. So I got up from Taco Bell, I walked the entire block down to the Dolly Theater, and I plunked down fully $3 to go see Emma Watson's Beauty and the Beast. And I also snuck in my Taco Bell cup so I could have some water because I bought a big bucket of popcorn as well. 
I figured as long as I was going to be watching Emma Watson's Beauty and the Beast, I might as well have something enjoyable in the theater with me, hence the bucket of popcorn. So that was just the first event in my week. And we're going to talk about Beauty and the Beast. I've seen it. I might as well talk about it on the show. Uh, that's a general rule, except for Batman. Lego Batman isn't worth talking about on the show. Um, oh, wait, I actually saw that this week, too. Oh, man, this has been a horrible week. I saw Lego Batman and then Beauty and the Beast. And then Thursday, I went and saw the new Transformers movie, Transformers The Last Night. So, um, the Lego Batman movie is awful. It's terrible. If you liked the Lego movie, virtually nothing that was good about the Lego movie transferred over to the Batman movie. It's dumb. It makes Batman look dumb. It makes his villains look dumb. It's obnoxious and annoying, and I hated every minute of it. I, I can find nothing redeeming about the movie at all. Wow. That's succinct, man. Um, the, so on to Beauty and the Beast, that was, <laughs> on to Beauty and the Beast. Um, I have read articles by John C. Wright and articles by L. Jaggi Lamplater, technically blog posts, and both of them and, and other people, and they expressed a great deal of emotion about the movie and about its shortcomings, and I have no problems with anything that they discussed. However, my main reaction to the movie was a thoroughgoing sense of boredom. I was just <clears throat> bored beginning to end. They took everything fun, everything charming, everything whimsical, everything exciting about the original animated Beauty and the Beast. And for those of you that don't know, Emma Watson's Beauty and the Beast is a live-action remake by Disney of the earlier animated Disney movie. So it has the same general situation, nominally the same characters. Uh, it has, you know, animated um, teapots and candelabra and stuff who sing the Be Our Guest song and all the other songs you might have remembered from the animated movie, which came out almost 20 years ago. Um, but... They took all of the good stuff, all of the reasons why you might either watch or enjoy the original animated movie, and they choked them to death and they killed them. None of the whimsy, none of the excitement, none of the charm is in this movie. It's just a dull, leaden mess. I, there are good things you can say about the movie. Several people turn in great voiceover uh, work in it. I was not able to see the last about five or ten minutes because my ride showed up and I had to leave. I do not view that as a dereliction of duty on my behalf, on my part as a reviewer. I view that as a reprieve, as a commutation of the sentence I was under to watch the movie. Um, I, I can't think of a single thing about the movie that I liked. There are things about the movie that are done well. They've got obvious, they've got computer graphics in it at several moments because you have to in order to animate the teapot and, and all those other things. And they're, you know, impeccable. 
Um, that doesn't mean, by the way, when I say they're impeccable, it doesn't mean that they blew my mind because they were great, you know, great groundbreaking computer effects. They were, uh, they were very, very well done. You could not tell they were computer effects. And for companies that have lots and lots of money, like Disney, that is the standard today. You expect that. That's the expected. It's when they fall short of that that people kind of raise their eyebrows and go, "What's your problem?" So the computer graphics are impeccable. They're they're well well done. Um, everything else. I really, it, it's just the characterization of the characters and it's a lifeless rehash of a movie that was already done and done better. And also Bill, if you've seen the original, Bill um, is a very feminine character who's very, very pretty. And this Bill, Emma Watson's Bill, wears combat boots. I'm sure there's some technical term for them. They're not black. They're brown. But they're combat boots. And I'm staring at her. I'm thinking, why the hell is Belle wearing combat boots the whole movie? And what it made me wonder after the movie was why they didn't just go all out. If you're going to have the combat boots there, you may as well give her black lipstick, black fingernails, and a Hot Topic crop top. Because would have got me to see it. That's the only outfit that goes with combat boots, okay? Um, white paint and black hair. She needed to be a goth with those shoes. It's just the stuff they did change from the original movie was just stupid political stuff to make the villagers look worse. And to, and they tried to they basically all the changes were Mary Sue changes to make Belle into absolutely the best that everything ever. Her dad, who's an inventor, is an incompetent inventor, but Belle's a genius inventor, yada, yada, yada. Um, L. Jaggi and John C. Wright both talked about that. It's awful, awful stuff, and I can't think of very many good things to say about it. Um, the music was not... Um, there were no terrible accidents with the music. All the uh, instruments that were playing in the orchestration and stuff, I didn't notice that there were any, you know, sudden miscues by a cellist or something. There weren't false notes. They weren't out of tune. That's something positive you can say, is it could have been more incompetent in technical matters. All of the various technical matters are competently taken care of, um, but... That's the only good thing you can say about it is they didn't screw quite basic stuff up. So as usual, from what I'm hearing here, it is a competently made bad movie. Yes. It's a high budget bad movie. They spent a ton of movie, a ton of money on a bad movie. I mean, you could make, you know, pick any infamous low budget B movie. Oh, yeah. I also watched Orcs yesterday for some reason. Um, it's a terrible movie. Awful. Just truly terrible. It's a low-budget, satirical comedy about Middle-earth orcs invading a an American, a modern-day American national park. So... 
you could point to all the things they've done in that movie because it was terribly low budget. It might even qualify as a micro-budgeted movie. All you can, you can point to a bunch of things and say, okay, this is bad cinematography. These people are doing bad acting. These are bad special effects. Not that everything about it was bad. I mean, I don't know where they got their costume from. They, you know, they probably rented them from somewhere, but they looked good. They looked like they were actual orc costumes from Weta Workshop, and they may have been. Um, the person who wrote the script had clearly either been to a national park a lot or had worked at a national park or had done a lot of research on national parks because there were a lot of things in the script that you could only find out if you had had intimate involvement with national parks. For example, at one, uh, at one point they have to line down the outhouses. That is take lime and dump them in the outhouses to keep the smell down and to encourage uh, decomposition. That is something that you do have to do. And you'd only know about that if you had either done the research or worked at a national park yourself. So there was competence uh, exhibited in some parts of the script. Um, at least they did their research. But it was a terrible movie. You could have gussied up that movie if you dumped $100 million in it and made it look absolutely incredible and hired the best cinematographers in Hollywood, hired a you know an A-list director, but it would still be a bad movie because the story was bad. So, Bell is likewise a high-budget, competently executed bad movie. Um, I'm beginning to think that's all we get out of anybody these days. With very rare exceptions, yes. I mean, and if I could go back to King Arthur, that was at least, um, at least it had an original vision. At least the director um, was trying to do something new, was trying to do something different. He wasn't trying to make a cookie cutter movie. And so for all of its flaws and for all of the, you know, the fact that it didn't hit with audiences, which I predicted, at least he was trying something different. So um, any, any other questions before we jump onto the Transformers train? Well, I, I still wanted to comment along those lines uh, about the bad movies. Even Wonder Woman, which is a movie that we pretty much liked, it was kind of a really well done eh movie. Like, yeah, it was good, was not great. By it. Yeah. So even the good movies are kind of ugh. Yeah, good, not great. That's a that's a technical term. That's a technical podcaster term. Ugh. <laughs> Do you have any questions, Brian? I think you pretty well covered it. And uh, yeah, I've heard the rights review and Stefan Molyneux's review. So yeah, Beauty and the Beast just, yeah, it sounds like throwing good money after bad for no reason on Disney's part. Well, and it made a ton of money. I mean, it was very, very popular at the theater. So one could see why Disney would do it because it's going to make a lot of money, which is disappointing. But, you know, what do you... They made a lot of money. They'll keep on making these live-action remakes. The only two I've seen, which is The Jungle Book and Beauty and the Beast, were both uniformly awful, just terrible. They were insults to the original movies. Um, all right. And, and The Jungle Book had Christopher Walken in it. I don't know how you make a terrible, terrible movie with Christopher Walken in it. I mean, Christopher Walken is just amazing. It was the only watchable scene in that whole movie was Christopher yes. Walken. So, 
Um, similarly, the Transformers has, I believe, Stanley Tucci in it. Um, and yet, he's only in it for a little bit. Maybe that's why the movie was so awful, is because <laughs> Stanley Tucci, I actually have not double checked this on IMDb, so I'm having to. Yes, I was right. It is. Stanley Tucci is in a heavy, heavy, heavy makeup to play the part at. Uh, this is going to hurt me just saying it. And it's not really a spoiler because it's the opening scene of the movie. So you can't call it a spoiler if it's the opening scene of a movie. The opening scene of the movie is stolen almost shot for shot from the opening scene of Gladiator. Russell Crowe's Gladiator, which, if you remember, was a big bunch of barbarians fighting the Roman legions. Okay, with flaming arrows shooting across the sky. So this is a big bunch of barbarians fighting King Arthur and his knights with a big bunch of flaming arrows across the sky. Um, that's how the transfer. Former's movie begins is with King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. And then Stanley Tucci is playing Merlin. And instead of playing him as a as a figure with gravitas, as a figure of intellect, as a man to be reckoned with, Merlin is a drunkard and comic relief. I don't know, because I've never seen the... Uh, and people love it. People absolutely love Monty Python's, you know, their King Arthur movie. I've never seen it because I'm not a big Monty Python fan. I don't know if they were trying to pay homage to Monty Python, if there were similar scenes in that movie. That's the only reason I could think of as I was watching this, that they would um, make Merlin this jokey kind of incompetent drunkard comic relief character. But what Merlin does is he talks to a transformer in a crowd in a crashed spaceship and asks them to come help a Arthur defeat the barbarians. And so what the Transformers do is they give him this staff and then they summon Ghidra or King Ghidorah, who is a kaiju from one of the Godzilla movies He's a three-headed dragon. A, they summon a robotic copy of King Ghidorah. They literally summon Mecha Ghidorah and send him out to fight for King Arthur under the direction of Merlin. Um... Wow, guys. <laughs> Was that a fanfic? Or are you talking about the movie? 
<laughs> I. The you movie. Again, there's nothing to say. Like you can't <laughs> say anything about that. There, there's no way to make that sound good. And here's the thing: I could rush in with a defense and say, "Oh no, no, it may sound lame, but the scene was actually really." No, I'm not telling you that. I'm not telling you that the scene was actually good. The scene was terrible. And the movie doesn't get, I don't think the movie gets any better. I really, really, really don't think the movie rises above that. And it has Stanley Tucci in it. And it has all of these actors, many of whom are great actors, and many of whom are really good, solid actors who are capable of turning in um, good performances. It has Sir Anthony Hopkins in it. Anthony Hopkins is a major character for a large portion of the movie. And he does not make the movie any better because it's that abysmal. It's that awful. Um, so I've got some random notes here written down. Uh, they rip off Resident Evil 5, by the way. Resident Evil 5 has the BIAA, the biological worldwide bioterror organization that fights the you know T-virus outbreaks. This, uh, this world has the TRF, who uh, is a worldwide paramilitary reaction force who goes after Transformers. Um, they rip off several... Uh, several different movies. Um, they've got robots at one point who work for the TRF that look like the bottom half of Ed 209s with a turret from an M1A1 Abrams tank plopped on top. Um, they rip off Tomb Raider, um, the movie. They rip off Aliens. Um, they uh, there's nasty. They rip off the Core at one point, if you can believe it. Um, and there was another movie I didn't make note of in there, and I forget which one it was. I'd have to go back and watch the movie again um, to actually remember which other movie they ripped off. And I'm assuming I missed several additional ripoffs in there. Um, by the way, ripping off the core, that was the point at which I actually stopped taking notes. That's the last note I've got on the movie because at that point I just said, what the hell? I don't care anymore. I'm not taking any more notes on this movie. I'm done. Um, I would hate to be an actor nowadays. I just, I almost feel sorry for them because yeah, you you really can't do those intimate little character-driven pieces anymore to pay the bills. You, you got to do Transformers Five. You got to do superhero movies. Um, now before let me give you some background about me and the Transformer movies. I enjoyed the first Transformer movie. I think it's a really good, solid movie. Um, it's an enjoyable B movie. It's a well-done B movie. Uh, the second one, of course, was terrible, absolutely disastrous. The third one was really good. And the fourth one was all right. 
it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. It was all right. It wasn't as good as first one. It's still all right. And this is the worst so far. It's the meter of the entire series. Um, it is what people say about Michael Bay is that he does a bunch of action shots and explosions. And I would point to The Rock as being something that disproves that thesis. However, this movie, and, and I believe Michael Bay doesn't actually want to do Transformers movies anymore. He wants to be doing other things, which is why in between one Transformer movie and another, he made 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, because he wants to be making other movies. But they keep on offering him so much money and keep on offering to um, underwrite his other movies that aren't going to make a ton of money. Like, And again, there was also Pain and Gain, which wasn't a bad movie. It had a really bizarre script, but it was based on a real-life story. And so, of course, it's going to be really bizarre that otherwise you wouldn't make a movie about a real-life story if it was common, everyday, ordinary. Um, but those he, he wants to be making something else besides Transformers. He's been making Transformers for over a decade now. And he wants to be doing other things. They give him so much money, and they give him... Uh, so much freedom to do other movies where, without any studio interference. They just say, okay, here's your budget. Here's 50 million. Go off and make the secret soldiers of Benghazi. Do it however you want. They don't care. It's just a loss leader. And so he gets a lot of freedom to make things that he otherwise wouldn't be able to make. No one would ever um, allow him to make. So that's why he keeps on doing these movies. And I think you can finally tell with this one that he has reached a point where he just does not care anymore. Because he, the movie is almost a parody of uh, Michael Bay movies. Shot by shot, it's gorgeous. I mean, Michael Bay knows how to put beautiful uh, compositions on the screen. And this movie is no different. The action scenes start breaking down because unlike any other Michael Bay movie I've ever seen, you start getting confused. It's unclear about what's going on on the screen. And there are very big and noticeable uh, continuity errors, at least at a couple of times. Um, one character, for example, has a big mask on, uh, a, a scarf tied over her mouth, and then she pulls it the next shot of the character, instead of being up around her mouth, it's down, and then she pulls it up. So you see her pulling it back up. It was up, then magically got to be down with no intervening action. Then she pulls it up, and then the very next shot of the character, it's down again without her pulling it down. It's a clear continuity error that just jumps out at you in the middle of an action scene. I don't think he really wants to be making Transformers movies, which I think is really the reason why this is is bad. It's bad, Michael Bay. This is Michael Bay at his worst. He has finally become what a lot of people, what all of the common knock on him says, where it's just a bunch of stroboscopic action scenes, a plot that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever and even then where he is the strongest as a director which is making action scenes that make sense you know what's going on so you're not confused at several moments during the movie i was confused as to what was going on and several of the scenes they came up with the writers came up with to put in the movie that they thought hey this would be cool this would be exciting are just so stupid 
it, I can't even explain to you how stupid they are because just like um you know Mecca Ghidorah in the first scene just like that it makes no sense it's just absolutely nonsensical um I like Mark Wahlberg as an actor. I think he's turned in several great performances in the right roles, um, like uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio and Jack Nicholson movie, The Departed. He turned in a great performance in The Departed. He was a bit part. He was a you know background character, but his performance was rock solid and spot on. Um, and I've seen him do a lot of other movies where he's done, in fact, I just saw Deepwater Horizon a couple of months ago, and he did a good job in that. Um, so it isn't that Mark Wahlberg is a bad actor. And it isn't that the other people in here are necessarily bad actors, though there are bad actors in the movie. It's that the story was awful, and Michael Bay is bored, and it's just not a good movie. Thank you for saving us all the trouble. What ki what kills me the most about it is that you actually liked some of the other Transformers movies. And after the first one, I'm shocked you saw any of them. I like action movies. And the, uh, you know, Trent, Michael Bay has, at least Michael Bay likes the military. There's a lot of people who have nothing but contempt for the military. Whereas in Michael Bay movies, the military is usually the good guys. Um... They're not bad, evil baby killers. Um, and so there's there's enough to enjoy about the first, the third, uh, and maybe the fourth to make them watchable because they're action movies. Things go around and on screen, things blow up, characters are, you know, they're fun. They're enjoyable. I'm not trying to pretend they're Shakespeare. They don't need to be Shakespeare to be worth a couple of hours of, of watching. This one is is just it's 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 not even worth that. It's not worth your time. I wouldn't even say rent it on Redbox or or watch it on cable. It's just not worth your time. And I don't say that. I don't know that there's any Michael Bay movies previously I've said that about. I thought The Island was really weak and I wouldn't watch it again. But I'm, you know, I'm glad I watched it. It wasn't uh it wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen. So, it just wasn't very good. And that had Scarlett Johansson and um, Ewan, McGregor. Ewan McGregor in it. Yeah. So, again, it, it didn't have terrible... Uh, it didn't have terrible actors in it. It just... The screenplay was, wasn't very good. Um, I, I don't know. I'm disappointed because I know Michael Bay is a better director than this. And he, he turned in a, a subpar movie. Um, so, I don't know. Do, do you guys have any other questions before we kick off? That's about everything I can. I think you said I all the things that you said. Yeah. Man, you really let us have it. Again, you had to, you had to vent. Had to purge a little bit. I understand. Um. So, is uh, is there any anything from 
the chat. Any questions from the chat? Well, they're really going at it there. Like Bradford Walker is uh, holding forth on how is that Hollywood producers have contempt for like big budget temple movies for blockbusters and that trickles down through like the, the writing and the directing and the acting. And points out just the, the, the best like superhero films are the ones where the producers love the property and want to make the best film possible. So yeah. Michael Bay has made two of my favorite all time favorite action movies, which are the rock and bad boys. Um, and I'm a big fan of action movies. I love action movies. They're my favorite kind of movie. Uh, and he's made two of the best action movies ever. Uh, I consider Bad Boys in the Rock to be among the best action movies ever made. Um, but so I, I've got um, a built-in bias to like his material. I like the way he shoots things. You know, his uh, his color saturation is really high, so his, uh, his scenes are very very vibrant. He doesn't play that blue and orange game that other directors have gotten into over the last decade, where all the background and all the alien you know guns are blue, but the actors are their skin tones are made orange so that they will pop. He doesn't play that game, um, and his movies oh, look better. The first than, Transformers. <laughs> um, there were, but there's a, it's not a monotone color palette. I mean, you compare it to, um, now what was it? Was it Alien Outpost? Uh, no, no, Battleship, for example. Uh, Battleship has a very monotone color palette. And a lot of other movies that have come out have a monotone color palette. He goes for full gamut of color. When you see a scene of his, you've got reds that pop, you've got greens that pop. He has a very saturated color palette but it's not um you know two note it's not <laughs> it's it's not uh, orange and blue uh like black and white with two different colors and and a lot of modern movies especially modern action movies especially modern action movies involving aliens are just those two colors um yeah that's because um orange and teal are on opposite ends of like, the color spectrum and so it it makes like the the actors pop out more. Yep. Um, and even like Pain and Gain, which I didn't like the story, was well directed. He did a great job. I just didn't like the story. And I'm not even saying it was a bad story or badly written. I just didn't like the story. Um, primarily because it was told from the point of view of, of bad guys. You know, it had the, it had the rock in it. Um, and it had Mark Wahlberg again and, and the rock. And so, you know, had again good actors in it who can turn in good performances uh, i just didn't like the story because it was told from the point of view of uh, bad guys but it was still a well directed movie he did a good job directing it this is just not this is just not good work this is subpar work then you know don't get me wrong it's still better than 99 percent of what other hollywood directors can turn in but that doesn't make it a good movie um, on a technical level, it's it's great, but the script and the scenes they put in there are just bizarre. They're they're wonky, um, and it makes me point back to Kurtzman and Orsi, who at the very least didn't have Mecha Ghidorah in their movie. 
when they sat down and had two weeks to script up the first Transformers, they did not come up with Mecha Ghidorah. They did not come up with a World War One submarine with glass, a glass bow, so that you could see out. <laughs> You've heard of a glass bottom boat. This is a World War Two submarine. Um, with a glass bow so you could see out into the ocean. They didn't come up with um, Transformers fighting each other with technomagical staffs. Um, it, there's just so much stupidity buried in this movie um, that was stuck in by the screenwriters that was not stuck in by the director. But at the same time, you can tell he's not... Uh, He's just not into it anymore, so. Okay, I think I'm done with that. So done. I've seen so many bad movies this week. I didn't stop to think about how many bad movies I'd seen this week. Horror. That's pretty exceptional. Um, all right, is there, um, do you have any last words before we go, John? I do. Um, there's actually some really sad news on the internet today. Um, on the gaming side of things, uh, Stuart Wyke, formerly of White Wolf, uh, just uh, suddenly passed away. Um, he's the guy that did Mage of the Ascension. Uh, he's basically, him and Steve Wyke were the guys who ran White Wolf Game Studios. So uh, next time we get together and do a game night, we're going to talk a little bit more about White Wolf and their contributions and everything. But uh, everybody, everybody at uh, Give a minute of silence and uh, roll some d10s for uh, for the Wyke family. Um, what other movies or what other sorry movies? What, what other games has he worked on? Because I know the name. I'm not a big uh, White Wolf fan, but I know his name. Um, uh, so the the Wakes are um, they're associated with White Wolf Game Studios. So. Mage the Ascension. Mage the Ascension was Stewart's uh, big game, and and Steve and Mike Ron, Mark Reinhagen were the vampire guys, and uh, I think Steve did Werewolf, and his brother Steve is the guy who uh, ended up running Drive Through RPG, the uh, you know the PDF store for RPGs. So any basically anything having to do with the with White Wolf games, uh, that was their that, that was their baby. All right. Well, um, very, very sad. Uh, he's a big name in the uh, tabletop gaming scene. So um, very, very sad. Um, we'll be missed. I don't know. Brian, do you have any last words before we take off? Well, this just in, according to listener Bradford Walker in the chat, Wyatt died right after finishing a fencing bout. died with a sword in his hand yeah it's so there uh, the story is he just like he was practicing and 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 after about he just collapsed and and couldn't be resuscitated so there you go folks exercise kills keep it in mind <laughs> dark humor is the best humor yeah all right folks this has been geek gab for saturday june 24th 2017 um just to remind you, we are available on YouTube.com at YouTube.com slash GeekGab. We're available on the iTunes Store. We're available on the Google Play Store, and we're available on SoundCloud.com. Again, just do a search for GeekGab, 
and uh, you'll be able to subscribe to us on any one of those platforms. We, um, if you want to receive announcements in your email about when we have scheduled shows or when we're going live, be sure to double secret subscribe, which is click on this big red subscribe button below this video on YouTube, and then click on the little bell icon so you can actually receive notifications so you can catch the show live and get involved in the live chat, which is, uh, as always, very, very uh, lively, very, very interesting, and I cover a lot of stuff that we don't cover on uh, the show itself. So thanks for tuning in, folks. We are leaving you for today, but don't worry, don't you fret, we will be back.